This is Colorful Commentary. Hello, beautiful people. Today, we're going to talk about the legend that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, COVID-19 and everything going on with that, and once again, justice being denied to another Black woman. So, let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 14th commentary. So glad you're here. Now, if you're like me, this has been a rough couple of weeks. It's just felt dark and hard to handle. Now, as you all know, I love the Lord. So that is what has been pulling me through is my faith in God and in the bigger plan in all this. I can't see it, but I know that there's light coming from this and the bible says that those who sow with tears will harvest with shouts of joy so we are sowing in tears right now but we will harvest with shouts of joy and ah uh, just know you are not alone and colorful commentary is a place for you to come and hear somebody who's feeling just like you and hopefully create a community where like-minded individuals and even non-like-minded individuals are coming together to just vent and to have a safe space. That's what I, I just pray that this is a safe space for all who listen. And thank you so much for listening. So we're going to get into a few things today, as I said in the intro. First, want to give all the credit and due to... Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She recently passed at the age of 87. She was just, oh my gosh, a champion for female rights. Let me tell you, what other Supreme Court justice do people know by name as a cultural person? Sonia Sotomayor is fly. I read her word, her word. I read her book, My Beloved World, and it's really, really good. I really suggest you read it. It's really, it's because Supreme Court justice, they're just like old people who we just separate and put them on a shelf. But Sotomayor and particularly RBG, I mean, she's the notorious RBG, right? <laughs> they really were able to cross cultural lines and make an impact beyond just the legal world. So, I mean, talk about being missed, talk about leaving a lasting legacy. Just a few of her little stats, and I'm telling you, just a few that can't even all be fit in a full episode. <laughs> she served from 93 to obviously now 2020. She was nominated under President Clinton, and she was seen as basically a progressive moderate, not too far leaning left, not too far leaning right, um, but still progressive in her values and views. She is actually making history, even after her death, as being the first woman to lie in state in our country's history. Now, <laughs> we can get into the ridiculousness of that later, but I guess let's just sit in the beauty of it for now. Rosa Parks was, she laid in honor um, at the Capitol, but RBG is the first one to lay in state, meaning that I guess there's a difference there since Rosa Parks wasn't in the actual wasn't an actual government. She didn't get to lay in state. But RBG just broke that record. And so she's the first woman to do that. Again, making history beyond the grave. Like, what type of woman is this? It's just incredible. And so a few things that she worked on, she obviously did was part of the vote, giving same-sex marriage access to all Americans 
Also, she was part of the case that got women the right to not have to have a man sign for them to be able to get a loan, mortgage, or even open a bank account. At the time, you had to have a man vouch for you, which is ridiculous. And we know this now, but it's just amazing she's 87 and that during her adulthood, like that was a thing. It's just, we're so blessed. Um, and she's just done, again, I mean, what? She's done countless things to advance us as a country, as a nation, and as a people. And she's really just an inspiring human being who I'm really sad to miss. Well, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad that she's gone. I really am. And I think we all are as a country. And on a professional political level, obviously, her absence means now Trump can fill his third Supreme Court seat, which is not great for people who are progressive, liberal, want to keep Roe versus Wade, uh, want to make sure the Voting Rights Act and Housing Discrimination Act, all these things stay law, not as some just suggestion of a past court. So it's going to be interesting. He's already apparently picked his his pick, uh, is a white woman judge. She's anti-abortion. She's, uh, anti, <sighs> anti a lot of things y'all. So not great. Now, mind you, if you remember in, let's see, let me go back in my Rolodex. March of 2016, Scalia died. And that would have given Barack Obama the opportunity to make his third Supreme Court pick. The Republicans said, no, it's an election year. That won't be allowed. We can't have him doing a Supreme Court pick in the election year. The people must decide. So what happened? They held that seat back and Trump got to appoint uh, his guy, Gorsuch, and do his thing with that. Now we are less then, excuse me, I think it's right around a month and a half away from election. This is not nine months out. This is almost a month out. And they are planning on taking that seat. So they are going against the precedent they set in 2016 for now 2020. So again, if you're a Republican, you support Republicans, you're uh, compassionate toward the Republican cause, whatever it is, call it out. That's wrong. If you said a president shouldn't get to pick if it's during an election year, then don't get them picked. Don't let them pick. So again, the rules change when it's convenient for whatever political party is in power. And that's unacceptable. And so I will provide a link where you can email your senator if you feel so inclined about, again, sticking with the word that they said they would do all in 2016. They said if it happened again, they would not vote to confirm a Supreme Court pick in election year. And what are they doing? They're going to vote to confirm a Supreme Court pick in election year, which is basically political suicide. But at this point, they know they can't win fair so they want to make sure the court is packed so that if Trump tries to contest the election that he'll have one more person on the Supreme Court to basically vote for him to stay in even if the people didn't vote for him to stay in so this is a it's an interesting time it's a very discouraging time but discouraging not in the sense of put your head in the sand discouraging and get your 
ass outside and vote and organize and tell your friends and your family. I mean, look around you. You don't have to look up. You don't have to look down. Just reach around you, reach beside you and make sure the people around you know that this really is a vote for the soul of America, a vote for our future and a a vote for the possible democracy as we know it in this country. Do not make excuses for any party or any person just because you like them ideologically. What are they doing for you policy-wise? And are they following the own precedent and standards that they set? If the answer is no, then maybe you need to reevaluate your position. Okay, moving on. Trump recently revealed the platinum plan for black Americans, which, you know, is very interesting given that Black Lives Matter, he called a symbol of hate and he's not for tearing down Confederate monuments, said several racist thing, had several racist um, claims and allegations against him, whether in court or personally. So this is very interesting. Joe Biden has the black vote by 85 points. So I guess Trump wants to try and eat in that a little bit. And I don't really think he even is doing this plan for black Americans, for black Americans. I think he's just doing this so white people don't feel guilty that they're voting for a racist, even though (laughs) what he said has kind of shown himself to be one. But the plan wants to increase home ownership, would make the KKK and Antifa terrorist organizations which it's absolutely insane to me that the kkk is not already a terrorist organization like again white supremacy y'all and he wants to make juneteenth a federal holiday the same holiday he claimed to have popularized himself Mm -hmm, y'all and it would make lynching a federal hate crime now this is what senator Rand paul who supports trump held up in the senate to make uh lynching a hate crime so again not sure where the connection there comes from now this would be great in theory and in actuality there's not actual much substance to this again that's what i you have to know the difference between ideology and policy ideology is just it's like you know they say a goal without a plan is just a dream the same is true about ideology It'll only be an idea until policy regarding the issue is drafted and legislated. Now, be aware of this (laughs) when voting and when thinking about supporting a candidate, because a lot of candidates like to sell you and get elected on ideology, but they don't actually have substantive policy backing up those ideas. And that's what we need. That's what I did like about Elizabeth Warren. She literally had a plan for that. (laughs) No matter what it was, she was coming with something that could solve it and that could actually be built into law you know because a lot and we're all guilty of that I mean we're not politicians right so we don't really think about the policy aspect of it we're thinking about hey are your ideas or your thoughts or your dreams for this country on my level as a human being but we also have to look at can those ideas thoughts and actions actually be legislated because that's what we need more legislation less conversation whether it's about race sexism whatever show me the law the bill okay that's what i want 
<laughs> and I hope you'll keep that in mind uh, during this election season. So moving on to the ever dreadful, ever depressing COVID numbers. We have now surpassed 7 million cases in the United States and over 200,000 souls in America have been lost to COVID-19. And just to put that into perspective, of course, people die every day. That's an unfortunate fact of life. Um, but most of those 200,000 would still be here. They would be walking this earth. And if things continue to go as they have been, then another 100,000 or 200,000 people that are currently alive and healthy may be gone for something that was completely avoidable. So it has been eight months since the first US case. I know y'all, we've been... (sighs) We've been in it and it only took 25 days to add another million cases after we made the 6 million mark on August 31st. So we're building those cases very rapidly. And I don't know if you've heard about Bob Woodward's book, Rage, but he not only had the quotes, but he had the tapes. And as we know, (laughs) the tapes don't lie so basically if you haven't heard which i hope you do look it up i'll provide the uh, source material trump on his own volition had 18 interviews with bob woodward who's a known journalist he's pulitzer prize winning journalist so he knew that these were interviews for this man's either book or article about trump so he willingly called him 18 times knowing he was on the record and in february he said that he knew the coronavirus was airborne and that it was killing more than the elderly and that it was really dangerous, that it was worse than the flu. He knew. He knew. Let me repeat that again. He knew. So all this game of playing it down, which he, again on the tape, said he did that to avoid panic. Now, mind you, I don't know if you've seen his election commercials where he tries to show the police department not responding to rape calls or uh, domestic violence or murder, whatever calls, because they've been defunded, which of course is not what defunding the police is about. It's not defunding them so that they can't operate. It's defunding their overbloated budgets and putting that money in the actual communities so that police do not have to answer for every single issue that they are not trained to answer for. So, He knew, he knew, he knew. So this whole dumb charade, this whole charade of, oh, well, I was, I didn't read my briefs. I didn't know, even though that's your job as the president. In February, while we were out living our lives, not even knowing what was about to come and hit us as a people, as a nation, he knew and he did nothing. So if he knew it was airborne, why isn't there a national mask mandate still? If he knew it was airborne, why weren't things getting shut down? Why wasn't the borders being shut down then? Why? He has put us in danger. 200,000 people are no longer alive today. And he has blood on his hands, not because he did it directly, but because he knew and did nothing did nothing and anything he wants to talk about doing which is closing the borders to Europe and China which is literally the only thing he can say he did as president because everything else was done by the states that was done in March April so he's done nothing since then 
And that was done a few weeks after he attested to already knowing about the virus and what it was. We're just now learning it's airborne. We didn't know that. They did. The people in power did, including him. So don't let this whole spiel of, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I was doing it to uh, avoid panic. Don't believe it. Call it for what it is. Call it for what it is. And you know what this is? This is evil. It's evil. And I didn't even realize that he was capable of that. I put him in this in the kind of dumb category and the whatever. But this is some evil stuff. And you say, well, why would he want? How does this help his election chances? Russia? Everything comes back to Russia. Russia benefits from us being weak. Russia benefits from us in chaos. Russia benefits from all of this. And what is he doing now? He's actually not trying to win the election. He's just trying to get his supporters so riled up that if and when, which the polling shows that he loses, he can try and use the power of the federal government or of his supporters on the ground to make sure he stays in power. So he's telling us who he is and the people around him are telling us who they are. They've put their lot in with him and they are willing to sacrifice democracy for power. So make sure that's the lens in which you view this election. Make sure you see it for what it is. That when you cast your vote, you're voting for how many more people are going to die from COVID. You're voting for the, are the 7 million people that have COVID that would now be a pre-existing condition, are they going to be able to be covered by healthcare, given that he's currently a plaintiff in a case going to the Supreme Court to make the ACA, which is the Affordable Care Act, illegal, which would take away coverage for, I think they said 27 million Americans. It would put back in lifetime caps, which basically means if the doctor says you have six months to live and you're a baby and your baby lives to one years old, well, after six months, the insurance says we're not covering him anymore because he wasn't supposed to live that long. That was happening and will happen again. All, as I said, the people with COVID will no longer be covered. I, as you all know, have a, a chronic illness. I searched so hard to get a diagnosis to help me. And now that diagnosis could work against me because it would be considered a pre-existing condition. And I need health care. And there are millions of people like me. And I know there are people just like you out there. 26 on your parents' insurance, that wouldn't be there anymore. So know the stakes this isn't just about who you like this isn't just about who you prefer make sure that you can have peace with your decision because it's coming down to politics which is important that's what the political decision is supposed to be but also morals as well now speaking of morals if you did not already hear brianna taylor was denied justice Oh, 65 years to the day that Emmett Till's murderers were set free. Breonna Taylor's murderers were also not charged. So 65 years of the same old, same old. 65 years of the murder of black people not just being tolerated, but sanctioned by the state. Breonna Taylor is and was all of us could be all of us so remember that whether you look like her whether you talk like her 
she is us. We are her. And I just, I am, mm, I am hurt. And I know I am not the only black person in America worldwide who is hurt. That the only charge was brought down was endangerment. And the only people who were named, it wasn't the endangerment of Brianna. It wasn't the endangerment of her boyfriend. It wasn't the endangerment of any of her black neighbors. It was the endangerment of the only white family that had a bullet go through their apartment. So just add a slap in the face to everything else that went down. The only people that Daniel Cameron, the attorney general, felt deserved justice was the white family who still were alive and got to tell the story. That as Brittany Packett Cunningham said, that a black woman's life is worth less than drywall. That bullet holes in a white person's apartment mean more than her life. And mind you, Daniel Cameron, the Kentucky attorney general is a black man is a black man. So this is why we talk about the system needing to be changed. Because I don't care what the color of your skin is. If you're a white supremacist, have a white supremacist state, a racist system, then anyone of any color hue can play into it as we as black people know, do it all the time. Need I mention Clarence Thomas? So this is just another of a myriad of examples of how little black life means in America. And I'm telling you, if I did not have the Lord, I would be just I would be distraught. And I'm just you're not in this alone if that's how you feel. You really are not. You have the right to rage, you have the right to anger, you have the right to fear, you have the right to feel whatever you need to feel and it is valid and you know what, it is righteous because Jesus stood on the side of the oppressed, not the oppressor. Our fight is righteous, our fight is good and our fight will prevail. I speak that in the name of Jesus right now. So let me tell you this and let's be clear this will no longer be tolerated. And I'm going to attach petitions and different things that can be done. The Breathe Act is actual policy that can be passed today in the House and the Senate that would prevent something like this from ever happening again. We have to get on this, you all, in memory of Brianna, in memory of Ahmad, in memory of all the other people whose names and faces we don't know. We must do better because black lives matter. And if you love America, call her out and make her better. Vote, make a change. And as always, stay colorful.